This episode is sponsored by Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. Basically, it's free. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and also edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And after which, Anchor will automatically distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You can also make money from your podcast with literally no minimum listenership. So it's everything you basically need in a podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started today. Hello, Noah. Welcome to the Naked Dialogue podcast. How are you? How's it going? How's everything? Hi, Sanjana. Um, I'm good. I'm currently in France and um, enjoying the lockdowns. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, I feel like I've just been distressed with all the things that have been happening in the last uh, more or less one week. Uh, the whole Capitol Hill storming situation has been pretty, you know, stressing because, you know, you get to see all these different narratives uh, from the left and the right, and you just don't know exactly which narrative to choose or opt for. Like, what do you think about what's just been happening with the whole Capitol Hill storming and everything? I personally think that uh, the United States has a huge internal issue. And the country is, has gone in two extremist opposite directions. And um, yeah, multiple issues that play into this. And I mean, Donald Trump is definitely one of them, but also the fact that the government just has lost control over, over its institutions, over its people, and that the discontent is, is growing. It's definitely growing. And that brings, yeah, turns people into radicals. And I think that's what we saw this week with the Capitol storming. True, like I spent a better half of last night just, you know, going down uh, the rabbit hole of just seeing, you know, what the far right or the far left has to offer onto everything that has happened. And it was very interesting for me to see that what we assumed was the right is a bunch of people who claim that they are from QAnon, which is this you know system of people going after higher authorities that they think are involved in conspiratorial stuff. So one of the things that definitely stands out from Capitol Hill storming was that people saw a bunch of people with weird symbolic you know tattoos and and gear and makeup of you know American flag or the Confederate flag and and you know we also saw people with horns and so that was very puzzling if anything and I you know I just started investigating you know why are these kind of people storming the Capitol and then there was one video that I saw of this guy called Jake and Anjali who was this guy with a horn very famous from the Capitol storming least to say. Mm-hmm. He was like, so I'm a Q shaman. That's what he said on you know, one of the interviews that was happening while the Capitol was being stormed. He said that the Q, that he's a, he was sent by the QAnon and he is a shaman. 
and uh, he thinks that everyone in the higher authorities are either pedophiles or rapists or murderers and that they should be uh, you know delegitimized or like thrown out of their power and so I was just like just looking at that I was like why like why is this even a, like where is this coming from because this is so unusual to see like we would assume that people who are storming you know the capital were just angry because the votes weren't you know in their favor but apparently there's a whole far right community who are driven by these conspiratorial ideas and narratives that they're being fed and they're storming and and they think you know all these uh, people in the congress and like the capital the constitution is all flawed and stuff like that so and then you see on the far left you know with the whole blm thing there's more like a postmodern left so these people were like you know defund the police and, and you know, rioting, looting. So one thing to take away was that looting and rioting happen on both the sides, on both the events. And you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a show of extremism. So where are the people who think rationally now? So that's definitely one thing that I was thinking about. I feel like you know, people are less rationally thinking these days. They're opting for the narrative that suits them best. So they you know, choose the left or the right. But who are the narrative is only being shaped because of things that happen. And if the things that happen are being, you know, consumed for your own favors, favoritism, like you think, oh, so equality is a thing, so you opt for the left because you know, left has uh, notions like freedom, equality, fraternity, and and you know, reform and rights and stuff. And then you see on the right uh, notions like authority, hierarchy, uh, tradition, uh, also, you know, duty and order. And orders is something that stands out because Donald Trump says, you know, law and order, law and order. So it feeds into the minds of the extreme right people. So I've just been, you know, like thinking about this and it's just so puzzling to me. I just don't understand exactly where are the people who are somewhere around the center, you know, today. I think what we can see with groups like Quinon and also the, the far left is that it's basically, I would base it actually on Gustav Le Bon's theory of um, psychology of crowds, is that the internet has a way of connecting the individual into crowds without actually being in a crowd. And they share their ideologies online and they're being incited by it. And they don't even need to actually physically come together to, to feel incited and to, to feel that sentiment, that typical crowd sentiment that I would honestly um, describe as dangerous. Um, simply because uh, the, the crowds always lack, um, lack rationality. And um, I think another problem with this crowd behavior and those two extreme sides is that both sides, even if you're trying to stay in the middle, uh, kind of forcing you into compliance or trying to force you into compliance with their ideology. 
And I think that is a that is a huge problem because it takes away the space for the more political centered people. True, true. Like just because of the whole polarization of everything, I feel like there's no middle ground. And if anything, I feel like we definitely need a middle ground right now because democracy, you know, it stands on a united front, more or less. No matter what your opinions are, no matter what your beliefs are, democracy can only exist if there's a certain level of consensus. So if we see, you know, a percentage of the right people or the left people engaging in these extremist ideas, where are the people who don't, you know, adhere to those ideas? Where are those people? Those people are not being given any voice because all these extremist people have taken their voices. And the problem is comes because, you know, the whole labeling issue that if I was to say that I adhere to equality and fraternity and stuff like that, I will be labeled instantaneously left. And if I were to say, you know, authority, law and order, I'm adhered to right. And so what if I was to say that, you know, there's cognitive dissonances within, you know, both the two sides, because, you know, this whole postmodern BLM left and QAnon right, they have extremist ideas. And if they're not identified, there's going to be a huge problem. So it's not about who's being elected, but it's more about thinking about what kind of structure we have and what good can we do by reflecting on the structure and coming up with new policies, new ideas. Because what, I, what I'm tired of you know, like hearing is that there's a left and there's a right which one which two of the sides are you going to choose i don't want to be choosing any sides i want to be choosing whatever i want i rationally think and i rationally believe and i rationally construct every individual has that right especially now that we have this big tech problem and this big tech problem is that uh yesterday um donald trump was banned from i guess almost all social media platforms and what people fail to see there is that he was banned. He is the president of United States right now, and he will be for a few couple of days, but he still is the president. And he is being banned from speaking whatever voice he has. Like, yeah, I definitely get the point that he was trying to incite riots and stuff like that. So yeah, you take those tweets down, you take those videos down, but you don't take the power away. Like, it's basically that, you know, we have given big tech the power now and so the big tech has such power that they can literally radicalize and incentivize extremism so if you know just anyone listening to this right now you all have your you know personalized feeds the reason why you have it is because you like a certain thing but is it is it good for you like you know people should be questioning what this big tech is doing to you like do you just definitely only want to see everything that's been going on the left and not be having any clue as to what is happening on the right? And so that's a problem because unless you see both the sides, you're not going to be rationally, cognitively coming into a conclusion for your own self. Because a lot of stuff you know, that QAnon has said has been disregarded and definitely even I don't agree to most of it, but some of it definitely has certain amount of substance to it. And so when things have substance to them, they attract people. 
And so that's the reason why we have a whole bunch of people on the right, you know, adhering to QAnon, QAnon, and all those conspiracies and stuff. And on the left, you know, it's, yes, we identify that racism is a problem. And so we gather a lot of people who have the same ideas, but they fail to see that defunding the police is such a bad idea. So we have extremists on the left, we have extremists on the right, both of them sort of want equality at a certain level, but they both also are constantly fighting with the whole power structure that democracy presents them with. So like, I feel like, you know, just the use of social media is, I mean, I think even you will agree that social media is such a huge, powerful platform, you know, just for anyone. I just, I see a certain danger in, I mean, what used to be the public sphere becoming privately owned. And I mean, the internet is our public sphere at this point, especially with the coronavirus, everyone is in lockdown. No one or most people, at least in Europe, are not meeting personally anymore to discuss political topics. So the internet has completely taken over this, um, this basically work that we used to do otherwise. And um, I mean, but the internet, at least the one that 99% of the population uses, is owned by the big companies, obviously. And as you said about the news feeds, um, I mean, the news feeds in Facebook or Instagram or wherever else are obviously determined by artificial intelligence and algorithms. So if you're going to Google something often enough, you're only going to get similar results. Even if you're trying to form a more objective, personal or individual truth, I would say, even though truth is usually very, very subjective and it's only getting more subjective, um, it, it seems impossible. Because if I move Google far right movements or anything on my personal Google uh, feed or in my see it in my social media, it's always with a negative connotation because that's that's what I look up. That's what I'm interested in. That's what forms my opinion. And obviously that also puts me probably more in the leftist um, extremist side because I, if I, if I would not think rationally about it, I could, from what the media shows me, say or believe that the far right is more like a terrorist group and that they're pretty stupid for believing what they're believing. <laughs> True, like, that's the thing, you know, when we, especially after the whole BLM thing happened, uh, the far, you know, just even saying that you would, you know, you appreciate a certain aspect of the right would land you in a very, very bad situation, at least on social media, people would cancel you, there's a whole cancel culture out there. Just because, you know, certain thing doesn't favor a person, you're automatically out of their, you know, league or out of their social media sphere, or you should be totally out of, you know, social media. So that's what happened yesterday is that people, what people fail to understand with the whole banning situation is that like this whole problem of big tech being able to shut down a voice within a pandemic where we know that, I mean, yes, definitely Donald Trump can, you know, go to his chambers and call on traditional media to deliver his voice or Fox News, you know, but 
we're still not it's still not okay to shut down uh, entire voice like that because that means that we're moving forward in this very uncertain times to a situation where in future big tech companies would have the ultimate power over any kind of political social cultural even to a certain extent economic structures so we would see these big tech companies shutting down a certain you know political structure just because uh, the other political structure has gained so much so much favoritism from majority of the population so what i'm afraid is that you know with this whole banning situation is that virtuality existed you know and people took interest in virtuality because virtuality kind of allowed you to be democratic in its truest sense so like if i was to you know if i was having certain ideas i can go on and share and so i felt free i felt you know relaxed to share my opinions uh, yes some of these opinions might not be as favorable as the others to you know the audience but i i still had that freedom and so now that freedom has been taken away i mean that's also part of those internet cultures like you mentioned earlier cancel culture and i mean i am not someone that believes in the absolute freedom of speech i think freedom of speech should be practiced under the condition of respecting the other people's dignity but um not having the option to criticize any of those two movements without getting either canceled by one side or the other is dangerous and it restricts us in our democratic rights even though <laughs> nowadays uh saying that you believe in in parts of our democratic constitution or again puts you in the far right corner um but i don't i don't know i hope that i hope that changes again i hope we'll make space for for more liberal and more centered people again yeah i feel like you know if anything we as humans could benefit from so much empathy at this time and there's a there's definitely a lack of empathy and the lack of empathy in the sense that we don't have to see empathy as only pertaining to a certain side because of its popularism in the society so empathy should be you know for everyone you know the only way to get empathy for everyone is to having an enhanced perception or enhanced perspective so if i feel a certain way if i write about it in a very good manner maybe the other person would be able to understand it and if the other person does the same i can understand it too and so by looking at both the perspectives maybe we can come to a certain conclusion and upon that conclusion we can have a you know civil rest you know as opposed to unrest by looking at everything that has happened at the capitol hill and and the aftermath of it and the aftermath of it being on social media getting banned one of the things that had happened uh, within this whole situation was that i saw like a lot of uh, people making memes out of you know the guy with the horn and just like everything because i mean yeah it is kind of hysterically funny but uh at the same time if you were to post that video 
of that person in any context on Instagram right now, having a public account, that post will be taken down. And so they definitely said have algorithms working uh, that are identifying that particular image and taking it down no matter what the context is. So, you know, we see a power there, like there's a, definitely an element of power. And what people fail to understand is that, you know, like just opting a certain candidate at, and particularly in this situation is not going to be any helpful to anyone because what we lack is rationalism. No one's thinking rationally. People are more in tune to their personal biases towards a certain society, societal sect or a, you know, particular structure. So that's, I feel like, you know, definitely is at fault is that we are so biased that we cannot have. I mean, that's interesting because I think a good example, a historical example um, for where something similar happened was actually the French Revolution. I mean, they came from the age of the enlightenment and relatively moral philosophers like Rousseau towards an absolutely violent revolution where the individual and the crowd were suddenly capable of things they would have never done by themselves. Because, I mean, the average French citizen at that point would have not executed a child or a woman or even probably a man, but in the crowd, they were incited by, incited by euphoria to, to take the current government down to do terrible things. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing today is that the extremely incited, we, we do theoretically have all the rational, rational needs to, to solve this problem differently, but the incitement has already grown too big and the political situation has already too tense to draw back at this point. True. So one of the things that, you know, puzzles me is that um, this evolutionary biologist named uh, Brett Weinstein, he proposed a thing called Articles of Unity 2020. So he decided to bring people from the left, center left and center right to come together and discuss issues that you know pertain to them being on a certain side. And that account was suspended by Twitter. So an account which is bringing together both the sides on the left and the right, which is something I feel like should be really is needed at this moment is banned from Twitter and from Facebook. The problem I, I see with the internet is, I mean, it's not, possible to make this private sector public it is not possible and i don't think any of us can can imagine what a life without that private sector would be like at this point or how you would even share your opinions and your political beliefs so i think at this point we just have to find an a medium we just have to find a way to regulate, first of all, this private sector somehow through state control. And on the other side, also, but still leave people the option to use that media. Otherwise we'll end up like in China where the internet is completely restricted. 
So it's it's a platform that I think can be used for good, and that we've seen it many times. But in the end, people like, uh, and I think we don't have enough regulations on that, people like a Jeff Bezos or a Mark Zuckerberg, they have, first of all, an enormous amount of information on us and our politicians and everyone. They know more about our private sphere uh, than probably most of our friends, or at least most of my friends, at least when I think about the things I Google, the things I buy on Amazon, things I write on WhatsApp, on Facebook. And I think we're not regulating it enough, but we do need to need to be able to use those platforms in a more regulated sense. Otherwise, honestly, I, I don't even know how we would how we would turn back to, to the old traditional media. No one is used to having a subscription service of a paper magazine anymore. But right now it's just it's not being used for the for the right reasons anymore. Yeah, like we definitely, you know, when we say far, far right or left, what we try to say is that there's an amplification of biased opinions when extremism comes in. So what we can do there is that we can take an epistemic break. So taking an epistemic break make us, you know, able to recognize what are the faults on both the sides. And by recognizing both the faults, we can, you know, work out a system where we can come up with better, you know, better ways, better laws, better regulatory authorities. The whole, you know, when defunding the police comes in, we, you cannot defund the police. Like that's a very dangerous, if anything, very dangerous action to take because you are disenabling the very, you know, protective security authority that we have that protects us. If anything, you know, they should be funded more in the sense that they should be, these people should be admitted into all these training programs that are, you know, very rigorous. They tell them, you know, this is a certain action. This is when you take a certain action. These are the situations that can come up. This is what you should do instead of shooting people right away or instead of, you know, taking them directly to jail or treating them unfairly. What you can do is that, you can try to understand why it happened, where is this coming from? So you take an epistemic break there. You try to analyze everything, you know, excluding the biased opinions, excluding everything, only the structure, only the scientific method, you know. And so that can maybe, you know, solve these problems at a very minute scale. But the reason why I say minute is that you know, everything in the society rests upon consensus. Uh, like if I agree A and the other person agrees B, and if this is all we have to offer, then there's no consensus. There's, there's absolutely no democracy, you know. Democracy yeah. can only exist when we have certain, you know, shared ideas. And those shared ideas can only come through when we get rid of these extremist, you know, ideas in general or extremist people. So how do we recognize where is this extremism coming from? We ask them to speak up. And so that's why I'm heavily critical of big tech companies having this power of banning people. Because what we're doing more now is that we're banning them from sharing their opinions, which can definitely agitate them to a point that more riots can break out, 
more things can come up. And human mind is so complex and so interesting that, you know, if, if clear net is not available, we can create new ways, you know? And so that's why I think people are so much into conspiracies all of a sudden because they think that reality is so not in their favor that something absolutely crazy has to be happening for them to think, you know, definitely everyone is a pedophile or everyone is a murderer. For only to be rational at a certain level, we can have a more better society. I just believe that people are really discontent. And I mean, if we're already talking about BLM and inequality, I do not believe the inequality between African-Americans and white Americans is the biggest problem. I do believe that the inequality between the rich and the poor is the biggest problem. And I think people are just generally very discontent with, and I think the media has played a huge part in this too, with seeing what kind of lifestyle is possible when you have the means, but not actually having access to this lifestyle. And I think that has led to a bit of an alienation between those two or maybe even so three classes. I also do think that the average human being tends to, if his situation is not good, find a scapegoat. And I think that's something we saw in Nazi Germany with the Jews. And that's something we've seen in a lot of, a lot of historical conflicts that the general discontent always, always needs to find a fault in someone else and not in themselves. True. Like one of the ways I feel like, you know, we can probably try to fix democracy, which I feel like any liberal democracy throughout the whole world is in crisis. And the reason they're in crisis is that we don't have better, you know, systems to draft a particular candidate you know how are how are candidates even drafted how how do we choose that this person is fit in a certain you know system to be a president or vice president or head of defense or anything like that we need to have better mechanisms and the only way i see you know these better mechanisms coming up is that we have conversations we have we allow people from every single you know group to speak, to share their ideas. Why are you so worried about a certain thing? Or why do you think this should be the way? You know, we should, we have to ask the harder, no, these are not even the harder questions. These are the most simplest questions. You know, where, why do you think this should be a certain way? Or why do you think this should not be a certain way? These are the most simplest questions. And if only we were able to give voices to everyone and have the patience to hear what the other has to say, you know, we can come into a better, better just way of structuring things. So that's definitely lacking, you know, the, the anger from, you know, lack of accessibility transfers to your rational thinking systems, because there's a lack there, you feel that at a very subconscious level, you think, you know, have not been given the right resources, or there's certain things in the society that don't allow me to access those things, then you should be able to speak and the other should be able to listen in order for any, you know, any type of new laws or new systems to come, we have to have those conversations. But with the whole, you know, aspect of censoring, banning, 
just because you think, you know, a far right extremist idea is so crazy, we ban them. But maybe what we should do is instead of banning those crazy ideas, maybe we should try to understand where these crazy ideas are coming from. Why are, you know, all these QAnon people so, so into trying to understand how these higher dimensions or higher dimensional structures work? Why are they so blinded by it? So these are the questions we should be engaging in rather than just saying our friend, oh, this is not acceptable. So, you know, this should be banned. So what we're doing is that we're giving them more anger. We're giving them more agitation for them to like lash out. That's just from personal experience. It is hard to have a conversation with someone who is not argumenting on a rational basis. And I've personally come to that point. And if you, and there's so much general mistrust out there. If you think about the coronavirus and the WHO and people not believing that it actually exists, there's so much mistrust, especially towards scientists and the actual experts on the field that if you can't even put facts forward in, an arg uh, in a conversation or in an argument and that person believes behind those facts, you know, stands an institution that is trying to hold them down and that is trying to hide or conceal things from them. It's so hard to have an actual productive conversation. <laughs> True, and like, you know, with the whole coronavirus, I'm glad that you brought it up, is that you can see, just take COVID as an example, when this whole thing is happening with, I mean, it's still going on, we have people on the right, or let's just say far right at this point, who don't believe in masks, who believe that COVID is literally non-existent. That's the kind of belief they have. And then you have people on the far uh, left who wear masks literally all the time, you know, sanitize your hands all the time. What they fail to understand is that scientists are not science. You know, science is a scientific method. Science is a method and scientists have their own ways to work out that method. So yes, you should be wearing masks and yes, you should be doing that, but that's so fundamental, you know? So if that is, if science is something which is so fundamental that gravity exists and that everything exists and that we were here, we have all these chair tables, uh, you know, computers only because we had this amazing invention or amazing thing called science. That should be so fundamental. So why are these people on the far right, all of a sudden, not you know, in in right senses, trying to see what this really is? So and what I fail to understand is that why you know all these big tech companies did not object on this thing that was happening. You know that Donald Trump was like, don't wear masks or stuff like that. They should have banned that, but they did not. You know. And now they banned him because, I mean, for the very right reasons that he was inciting riots. But at the same time, you know, it's a very pressing issue because people fail to see beyond the point that he was banned not only because he was inciting riots, but because he's not favored by most of the people on Twitter. But what we're doing essentially is that by banning him, we're agitating him more. And like, you don't you don't take away the entire power. You, you let them explain. You let the society have conversations. And 
what I feel like, you know, is going to happen at least in the next four years is that we're going to see this far right becoming so extremely far right just because now they don't even have a voice. And we can definitely, like, it's not over. People think, you know, Biden's going to be the president, so everything's going to be fine. But that's just an illusion, you know? Society works on disruption, more or less. You cannot think that a certain president being elected is going to be for all good. Like, that's, that's not the end of the problem. The end of the problem is never going to be there unless you are able to patiently sit down and try to understand all the directions this problem is coming from. Yes, I do. I do believe, though, that uh, Biden is a better choice, but more for the international relations than for the national problems that uh, the United States have. Um, simply because I think Trump's Trump's character can be very offensive, and that worries me, especially when it comes to the bit more radical states out there about opinion and I think you know popular opinion is interesting and that's something that actually um, Socrates already argued about that knowledge is nothing else but justified opinion and um, usually you know that knowledge used to be justified by scientists and everyone else and now I just feel like everyone is justifying their own opinion and trying to find people that justify it <laughs> their own opinion the same way and I follow the same ideology. And that's somehow a vicious cycle and it blurs that mistrust also towards the sciences, blurs the line between what is rational reality and what, for example, is a social construction and what those lines are just, they're not clear anymore. And actually Nietzsche, that, that, that once, once society starts focusing on social constructions, it will be its end. For me, I feel like I'm very just lost. Not lost in the sense that I know that we can get these two sides to come together if we have conversations and if we allow them to you know, communicate their perceptions and their perspectives. But the issue is like, how do we how do we start this thing like how like there's one thing to take an epistemic break and analyze everything the root of the problem but when you know the problem how are you going to communicate or influence the entire society to you know go about in a rational way as to whatever is happening especially you know the whole articles of unity 2020 thing that you know was banned from twitter you know gives you a sense that maybe these companies are literally in incentivizing extremism to a point that they will only choose the narrative which is popular which is as i said you know it's not it's never good to take away a, a voice entirely unless it's absolutely justified and just with the whole you know problems of like democracy being in crisis and everyone looting, rioting just because things are not going in their favor. And, and also the whole pandemic thing has also, you know, I feel like just in foiled it to a very higher, higher level. I, yeah. I feel like I'm lost in understanding as to how do we get the structure back again. We have too many points of conflict when you look at the world. We have too many internal conflicts. We have too many external conflicts. And 
it seems overwhelming. It really seems overwhelming. And I think even with the coronavirus, it has just made those, those voices louder. It has just made the discontent louder. And I just, I have no idea how we're supposed to calm those people and those voices down again and how the individual is going to get back to, I don't know, a moral, rational and autonomous being <laughs> because we seem so far away from that. True, like even with the radical rethinking, which is definitely advised of the entire situation, the entire democratic structure, I feel like, you know, we only recognize these, these problems as symptoms of a declining civilization. Like, this is not only a problem of America, it's a problem of the entire world. Wherever there's a democracy or any kind of liberal democratic government, we see these problems. Like, even in India, I've seen, you know, with the whole Modi government and, like, the other, other Congress government, it's the same problem. Both of them are, like, the leaders are so extremist in their ideas. You know, we have these political party structures. So in US, you see a two party structure. And so that's why, you know, articles of unity came in to, you know, get like a third candidate in or like candidate from the center, which failed as we see through big tech companies, which is another problem. And then, you know, even in India, we see, you know, far right or far left, but in India, we have multiple party system. And so what I fail to understand is that why in India are people still pertaining to left and right when they literally have the option to come up with a new party and come up with a new candidate. But I feel like I feel like people are tired and people are just because they're so tired of things not going their way, they would rather, you know, opt for the extremist side than to be neutral about it. I do believe what the people want is change. Uh, unfortunately, change in opposite directions. But I don't think you can accomplish change through radicalism or through violent protests. I think the best way to change people is by, or to change the system, is by, yes, protesting in a, in a very peaceful way, maybe, but also by um, proposing a better, and a renewed system. And I think that's what, what both sides have failed to do. None of them have a better proposition of where you know we're heading or where we're supposed to head. And they're just generally mostly complaining and not suggesting and giving out better options. I mean, imagine, you know, this whole corona thing is conspiracy. So let's just take a far right point here for a second. And, but, you know, you can complain about it. You can call them out for it. You can hate on them and protest against them. You can storm the capital, but what, what is gonna change? What do you want to change? If they're all involved, like, do you want all institutions to go down? Do you think that's, that's gonna solve, solve the American problems? Or is it in the end, and I think that's the rational thing to, to think about the situation, or is it going to lead us to either Nahlakoti or an United State? 
like at first I thought, you know, the right were only agitated because of the lack of votes or just because Trump was not winning or anything like that. But then I, you know, then I start to notice that these people are heavily into, you know, all this conspiracy stuff. And this whole QAnon movement is apparently extreme, you know, far right. And so when I recognized that, I was so, you know, puzzled, just like any human being would be, to look at a certain sect of people who are so, so, you know, saddened by the reality of things that they would rather think that everything is so conspiratorial than come to a rational conclusion that maybe sometimes things don't work out your way. And if you want to, if you want things to work out your way, you have to work towards it. You know, you just cannot go on a portal and start speaking, you know, things are not going our way, let's start rioting. No, maybe you should go on a portal, say, okay, things are not going our way. And why is it not going our way? Have conversations, try to understand the root problem, propose, you know, solutions to constitution or you know proposed solutions to the court or whatever the political structure allows you to do but just storming the capital you know breaking federal laws or even with the blm moment like you're protesting but you also start to loot just because you feel like you know it's it's the it's just a movement or whatever it's it's not the right way and these rational conversations can only be had in, in, a, in a certain level of peaceful environment, you know, and peaceful environment would only come when everyone would calm down, sit down and talk. I think it's the element of these two crazy things happening is that governments changing, which is like every four years, this thing happens and then the pandemic happening. So pandemic definitely heightened people's emotions because a lack of accessibility came in. They were suddenly so, you know, disassociated from what a normal life looks like that they have absorbed themselves into the virtual reality and its dimensions of conspiracies and crazy thoughts and stuff like that. Like what I can hope for future is only that I want to see a systematic change, but a rational systematic change, not a change based on mere opinions of people. This conversation that we're having, it's only this, you know, it has a sense of just depression in it because, you know, when you start to think about these things, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I, I get the problem. I understand it. Like we went through a rational chain chain of you know just picking out the topics the problems and we now we know it but the only thing is that we need to make people literally everyone think the same way rationally and come into their own conclusions and have you know a consensus but just because of the whole how many people are there on this earth and how many human minds are working continuously and every person has their own opinion it's just so frightening to even assume that we can have a certain kind of consensus at this point. Like, I don't want to end this podcast on a very negative note, but I feel like when you start having these conversation, it turns to this kind of, uh, you know, just vibe in general. Yeah, I think what we just all need to work towards again is just, first of all, self-reflection. Um, just, you know, sit down, 
and think about what are your political opinions? Are they reflected? Do they reflect who you want to be? Do you still treat people, you know, that have different political opinions with some sympathy and you treat them nicely and still love them as fellow, you know, fellow human beings? And secondly, to um, to just create a create maybe out of nothing. I don't know how how we're supposed to do that, but to create a new public sphere that is not formed through mistrust and hate and conspiracy theories, but that is just respectful and loving and accepting and rational. I think the main takeaways from this conversation to whoever is listening is that we, we recognize the problems in extremism we understand that these people might not be getting the same voice that a certain popular voice is getting right now. And what we can maybe do is that try to be empathetic towards others, understand where everyone's coming from, have a rational mind and make whatever you make out of things, you know, from both the sides, just don't, just don't restrict your thinking be more be more rational be more inclusive be more open-minded uh to everyone because everyone has their own struggles everyone's going through their own you know reality and it's reality's own depression or euphoria and everyone is so different that in order to have any kind of unity you have to understand the difference yeah and i think everyone deserves our respect and deserves to be understood so I think that's the last two points that I'm going to add. <laughs> yeah.